Welcome to another episode of Jelly Jam Spam. I'm Overly Wise Grandma Joel. And I'm Sake Maker Julia. And uh, today we're having a look at the film Your Name, which is an animated film that came out in 2016, directed by Makoto Shinkai. I've been putting off this film for so long. I keep getting it confused with Call Me By Your Name, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's way better than that. (laughs) I don't know Call Me By Your Name. Oh, it's a it's a very famous like queer film uh, that again is way worse than this. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, this uh this movie is incredibly popular. Um, when it when it hit the scene, it was even playing in like Australian uh, movie theaters. It, it, you had to go to specific ones, but you know it was playing in Melbourne oh. uh, and, and other places. So pretty big deal. And yeah, I kind of picked this because uh, I've. Going through uh, some personal stuff at the moment, and I just needed something nice and easy. And this is like a pretty easy watch. It's a good watch, at least in my opinion. Oh, agreed. It was so fun to watch. Very, like, chill experience. There's a lot of films on Netflix at the moment that are, like, this romantic drama comedy anime Mm -hmm. that's, like, very relatable, interesting, and just kind of a chill time. Um, and this is one of them, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm so glad that you um, nominated it. Uh, it was great. It's yeah. just so great. <laughs> so, this this movie kind of buries the lead a little bit. It immediately goes in and says, oh, we're, we're a body swap movie. Cool. But how long uh, did it take you until you... I mean, they lay it out very definitively at a certain point in the movie, but... When did you work out that there was a little bit more to the story going on? Oh, uh, only when they laid it out. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty dumb when it comes to movies. <laughs> I I definitely never see it coming. Um, I did, because very early on I was like, you know what, this could all be solved if they just called each other on mm-hmm. their phones. Like, it's a pretty fucking obvious thing to do, right? Um, and then when they finally do it, it's like, oh no, they can't do it, the call won't connect. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, bam, and this is why. And you're like, oh shit. So, uh, just to give some more uh, context context for, for the film, the, the general plot is um, a high school boy and a high school girl uh, basically w- waking up in each other's bodies. They um, keep leaving notes to each other. And um, the the twist that comes about halfway through the film is they're actually in different time periods as well. Mm. There's a, there's a three year separation between them, but they don't realize that until until that time. Which I think is a bit silly. Like realistically, they should have realized sooner, way yeah. sooner. What what are the things uh, I said to you because you were and and I'll, and I'll ask you about it. We'll, we'll we'll go into it when I ask. But one of the, um, I guess, maybe slight problems you had with the film was, like, the memory problems. Yeah. One of my responses to that was, well, they're treating these like dreams, and how well do we remember any of our dreams? Not really. It's extremely rare for us to have, like, a good recollection of any dream. So that's why, like, the notes help and stuff like that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back on this a lot. I don't think it's, like, the strongest defense either. Um, but I mean, if we're, if we're going to give some credence to the story, that's, that's really what they're going with there. Yeah. And it's one of those things like, I get it, but the fact that it's so inconsistent Mm -hmm. bugs me because in the beginning of the film, like they remember each other's names, the notes help. Yeah. But it's pretty clear that they're remembering like quite a lot of what's going on. Uh, and then suddenly all of the notes disappear once they find out. Or once Taki finds out about the like time difference, um, which okay, fine, I guess. Um, and then in like the second half of the film onwards, the memories just get progressively. Yeah, they start to completely worse. forget. Yeah, um, which I guess if you want to put in some coming of age stuff in there, it, it, it like it's allegorical. Yeah, I, I think also if they if they're going for the ending that they had. 
um, establishing as early as they can that they lose the memories and they just have more of a feeling that something's important without actually mm. knowing what it is. It help, and because this is a romance story, after all, um, that does actually increase the impact, for me at least, of the... I should be asking you this. Uh, that does increase the impact of the romance for me at the end when they, when they cross paths together. You hear the little bell... You hear like a heartbeat, mm. but also my heartbeat stops at the same time. I, I think it adds, you know, story-wise, it it pulls some things away, like consistency-wise. But I think overall, I, if we're if we're sitting back and eating some popcorn and watching a romance movie, uh, you know, I can I can mm. I can look past those things. I yeah, think. I mean, I think it it isn't integral to like that ending of the film. It doesn't have mm-hmm. an impact if they don't like forget what's going on it's just the way that it's inconsistently brought up throughout that mm-hmm. irks me uh but you know again suspension of disbelief <laughs> it's a, it's a fucking sci-fi would you classify it as sci-fi uh yeah i suppose because we're dealing with some like i guess like supernatural element yeah it's like supernatural science fictiony yeah yeah one cool thing about this, again, I'm not asking you a question, I'm just stating something here. This anime, animated movie, this anime, is so anime that it has not one, but two anime openings. Did you notice this? Yes! <laughs> yes! It's one of the first things I noticed about it, and they're both really good! <laughs> they are really good, but it, it is quite funny that they do have their, like, typical anime opening after the, uh, what, what do you call it? The cold open. Mm. And then, once they start, it's, it's more like a montage. Yeah. But, it's... It, but it's treated like an anime opening. Mm. They, they go into another, ana- like, anime opening segment. I mean, yeah, I'm here for it. But yeah, this is so anime. No, I'm curious about, because the... Both of those sections, if I recall correctly, are English songs with uh, very on-point lyrics. Mm. And I remember you saying ages ago that that stuff really annoys you because it's like the music is telling you how you should be feeling. I don't like it in native language media. Mm-hmm. So if I'm watching a, a film or, or whatever, really, that's in English as its native language and there's a song that's telling me how to feel, I do hate that. I... Those, these feelings start to separate and disconnect when it's, when it's a foreign language film. Mm. Interesting. where I first heard this I feel like it was in another anime but um there's this story concept of all humans began life as circles and then some thing happened and all of the circles were broken in half Mm -hmm. and for the rest of our lives each person is looking for their other half of the circle and that's like what that's like the meaning of life Mm -hmm. um and this story like reminds me of that so hard yeah yeah because yeah that's kind of what the they're they're just searching for something their whole lives and they're connected by that ribbon yeah by the the thread of fate from the explained to us by our overly wise grandma um we we did we didn't uh talk about that actually about how if, if, if we're just going to, like, accept the fact that they're forgetting, I think it's, like, really impactful, at least for me, and, I, and I'll ask you how you feel about it as well, where, like, Taki's just, like, looking for work, but he he's more, like, searching for something and he doesn't know what it is. And just, like, going back to what you were saying about, like, the two halves of the circle, like, mm. looking for each other, um, I mean, I think that's, like, amplified by the fact that they're just searching. They don't even know what they're searching for, but they know they're missing something and they're looking for it. Mm. Oh, man. Um, flashback to something I've been doing recently that I told you about. Uh, so let's go back to Steinsgate in episode one. Uh, Linear Bounded Phenogram is a spin-off of like the original visual novel, and there's a particular story in it um, that follows Nay and Mr. Brown. 
Um, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Um, and the whole story is about like Mr. Brown's trying to figure out what Nay wants because she's suddenly out of the blue like, oh my god, something's missing. I need it. And at first he's like, it's a person, so I need to find her a new mum. And then she's like, oh, actually, it might be a thing. And he, it's a thing? Okay, I'll renovate the building and it'll be kid-friendly. And she's like, oh, maybe it's a person and a thing. And then he's, he spends his whole time trying to figure it out. And then at the very end, it's revealed that the thing that she's missing is Suzuha. Because mm-hmm. Suzuha's, like, gone time-traveling by this point. Um, and, like, nobody realizes that they're kind of experiencing that reading Steiner. So yeah, she's, like, yeah. feeling... So it's it's a kind of parallel journey yeah, in that cool. they're... Yeah, they don't quite know what they're looking for, but it's a really significant, probably person-shaped hole. I, I, I like that in media. I feel like the more serious the media... This this might not this might be wrong, it's just how I'm feeling right now as I'm speaking. I feel like the more serious the topic, um, that probably works less for me. But the more laid-back we are in, in the topics that we're dealing with, I think it works much more. But I, I tend to like that when, it, when that appears. Hmm, it's... It's a toss-up for me because in some, like in the more serious, I guess, media, the idea is that you can't possibly be a fulfilled person if you don't find mm-hmm. this other thing. Which is why, in general, I don't like stories that are like, yeah. people were in a circle and you got to go and find your one true soulmate, blah. I don't like that. There are, there are stories <laughs> where um, prophecy and destiny works for me, mm. but um, I wholeheartedly reject... Um, like destiny stories and, and prophecy and everything. Mm. Um, in real life, I'm a soft determinist, so I mean that's kind of a hypocritical hypocritical statement. Um, but um, I don't I don't think anything is destined for anyone. And um, if we have some sort of this, I can't wait till we get into some sort of media that heavily relies on destiny because mm. I fucking hate it <laughs> uh, because it, it feels like it pulls all impact away from the story. And I'll go into that a lot more, maybe in a, in a, in another, in another podcast mm. episode, but I just feel like, well, it was predetermined anyway, so who cares? Uh, sort of thing. That's why the light of the topic, I think it works for me. Like if I'm watching a romance, I want them to get together. Like, I don't care if they're destined to get, be together. I don't think they are in your name, to be clear. Mm. But just touching on that topic. Yeah, and one of the things I do like about your name, um, which I kind of realised more upon watching it just now again with you, uh, was, if, I, if I'm if i remembering this correctly, the grandma experienced the same thing, because she talks about, like, I used to have these weird dreams, um, and so I can see what it's happening. But, like, she doesn't have that kind of, and because of these dreams, I met your grandpa, or, like, mm-hmm. because of these dreams. Maybe something she just experienced. It's just something she experienced, and, like, she... So, TLDR for the rant. Um, people get different things out of this dream experience, not just, like, finding a soulmate. Yeah, yeah. They get something... I think that helps the story. Yeah. yeah. They... It, it's more of a like this is an experience this is a really cool thing that happens once in a lifetime run with it it gives it that kind of vibe as opposed to just a and everyone has a soulmate you should yeah, go find yeah. the destiny predict- I would probably like the movie less if that was what was it was sort of pushing even subtly I would probably like it mm. less although I think they do push it with the mum because I think that's how the parents met because the, yeah. the grandfather's like, oh, this is a thing. Not the grandfather, the father, the father. is like, oh, this is just a thing with the women in this family. I'll be honest, I was uh, I was off in the other room. Uh, I think I was looking for cat toothpaste while that was happening. But interesting that you talk about the family. I mean, this family... So Taki lives in a very... He lives in Tokyo, lives in one of the largest cities, uh, most tech cities in the world. Mm. And... Um, Mitsua lives in rural countryside, uh, so they have very different lived experiences. But going along with the, her rural experience, it's a very traditional experience. They talk about, um, you know, we've been braiding cords for over a thousand years. Um, it's part of our, we've lost the idea of what it is that we're braiding it for and what it symbolizes, but it's important that we keep to tr- tr- the tradition. Mitsuha lives in Hinamizawa. In the sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a word here. I don't know if you can read it. It's it's Hikarashi. Um, 
on top of that, uh, Mitsuwa, um, she's a shrine maiden. I mean, not to the same extent. It's it's kind of like just like a an activity that they do for festivals. Whereas in uh, Higarashi, it's much more like no, you are the shrine maiden they, type thing. They do explain. Shoot, I should have rewatched the beginning of the film because they do explain that. Because originally they're like, this was a huge cultural thing, but then was it a natural disaster? Or this s- is the braided. Yeah. This is the uh, and they're like the braided cord. Thing. This thing happened, so we keep the tradition going. But it, yeah, again, the, this it no is them talking it. about the braided cords. Yeah. yeah so um, there was a big fire, and that's they lost all right. their documents and everything. Uh, that's but they keep braiding cords. Mm. Uh, but part part of the ritual, I, I, I was watching this just earlier, and, and you weren't here for this part, but I'm sure you remember. Um, how much were you thinking of? So they they make um, they make a certain type of sake by chewing on rice oh. and then <laughs> and then spitting out the the liquid, and then it ferments and it, it makes a mm. particular type of sake. While they were doing their dance and ritual for the rice, and they they unfold the rice and the thing and they go to eat it, I was just thinking about them eating intestines. <laughs> Did you have anything similar? No, oh no, but the, the Shrine Maiden dance instantly did make me... Mm-hmm. What I was drawing with Igarashi was immediately after that when they're like, this town is dead, there's one train that goes by, mm-hmm. we've got two brothels. Like, they go, they have a little tour through the town, and I'm just yeah. like, Hinamizawa, Hinamizawa, this is Hinamizawa, where are the where are the families, where's the mafia? <laughs> to, to explain my intestine comment for those who don't know Higarashi, Higarashi is in a, uh, we'll, we'll end up talking about it at some point, I mean, we have Absolutely. to, and we're legally yeah. obligated to, <laughs> but um, uh, Higarashi uh, takes place in a rural, uh, very traditional uh, Japanese village, much like Itamori. <laughs> and um, like most traditions, that um, we do a thing now that is so disconnected from its, its root um, as to be unrecognizable. So there is a festival dance and festival activities that happen in Hi- Higarashi, which, uh, I mean, it's called the cotton drifting ceremony. Uh, but it was f- like you would rake out people's intestines and, and things like this. Mm. Now, in Higarashi, and the way the tradition is done in present day, in that setting, is there raking sand and, and things like cotton. that it's cotton yeah, yeah. of course it's cotton but the cotton is is it's it's just so disconnected from what it was originally used for that that cotton was intestines and other things in the first place yeah so, so it's uh, it's um its symbolism has been lost to time mm-hmm. but uh yes <laughs> so yeah that's what i was thinking of and i, I knew you would be thinking uh along the same lines there they they just they're such cute shrine maidens and she's so like I just want to leave this town and go do something better. That's so Rika. Mm-hmm. It's so Rika of her. Yes, but we have to get off Higarashi. This is not the Higarashi. <laughs> not the Higarashi uh, podcast. So a lot of this film is um I'll I'll ask this. How much of the film do you think comes in a percentage wise comes from each person's point of view? And how do, how does that sit with you? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's very 50-50. Because at a certain point, the both of them stop being individual. If that, like, they're still each other, but they've both shared their body enough that they're... Like, the, the, you get the bond I, that they hold yeah. uh, is so close that yeah, and it it just it's not a case of like Taki has this much screen time and Mitsuha has this much screen time. It's like they they both end up becoming one another, and they both like the both of the stories are important. Of course, yeah, I, I don't I'm know. Not, it just kind of I'm not giving one more weight than the oh, other. Yeah. I'm just seeing how you feel. Yeah, I feel like at, at a certain point they just, especially, especially, uh, right before they meet at the lip of the crater when, like, Taki's in Mitsuha's body and she's trying to get the whole town evacuated and she set up this whole plan to, like, blow up the, um, place. <laughs> um, and, like, right, but it feels like Taki is Mitsuha and Mitsuha is Taki and then when they meet again they body swap 
but you don't immediately... I didn't immediately tell until she starts, like, crying. I I might have misheard you, but just in case... um, The person who came up with the plans was Taki. Yes. Yeah, in Mitsuha's body. body. I might have misheard you. I, I heard, like, I felt... It's like, I heard the other thing, but... Yeah. That's the point. It's like hard to keep track after a certain point, because mm-hmm. um, they're both so intertwined with each other. Well, I'm going to come back to that, because this mm-hmm. is where I was going with the question initially. So, uh, just speaking for myself to the question, so um, I think I think the way they pace the point of views is like pretty smart. Um, so, Taki gets a huge segment in this movie. Um, I think he definitely does get more screen time, which I don't think is a bad thing, by the way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, I'm just remembering which part you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, um, so th- just another part for people who haven't seen your name, um, the, the crisis. So we said one twist was uh, that there's actually a three-year gap between them, but also um, the crisis that needs to be averted is a comet will actually uh, land on this village. Imatori, I believe it's yeah, called. Yeah, Im- yeah. yeah. Um, and it kills everyone, including Mitsuha. Yeah. And once Taki realizes this, um, well, first he loses contact. They stop switching, and then he has to kind of work backwards and find out what the problem is, and then eventually he realizes, oh, wait, this was three years ago, and she's dead. Because mm, she was talking about the comet, and he's like, what comet? Yeah, because it's like... It's been three it's years It's on the news... Him. When he's in her body, it's not on the news when he when mm. he's in his body. There's also there's also clues actually early that there's a discrepancy with time, which is pretty cool. There's this large section with um, Taki, and but, but I think it's really smart. So they start off mostly from uh, Mitsuha's point of view. They have really big section. Mostly they just swap yeah. back a lot. They have a big section of Taki, and then he sets up the plant. But I think it's really smart, like you were saying, that Taki is in Mitsuha's body and sets up the plan. He's being very assertive, um, which is not typically... We would, I think we'd both agree that Mitsuha's pretty timid. Mm-hmm. She grows more assertive. The, the whole thing about them is like... They grow from each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's typically pretty timid. He's typically very assertive. And he can he kind of convinces everybody that is close to him in her body to do these things. He's being very assertive. Mm. I think it's actually really clever that he's had such a large section when they do meet on the lip of the crater it flips back and now she's there in her time in her body she has to execute on it Mm. so she actually has full control and agency of what's happening and like i was saying i think that's really clever so then we get a large section of mitsuha becoming more assertive growing from another person you know being pushed to be more than herself and then, and then we get a, a nice little closing segment at the end, which is mostly from Taki's point of view. But, like, we're left in the... That's also smart. This is just good storytelling. Like, mm. we're left in the dark of what happens uh, by the end of that whole segment, and then we have to learn as Taki learns. So that's just good storytelling. But I, I really like the switch, because it would have been really easy to just keep Taki in Mitsuha's body and have him solve her problem, mm. <laughs> essentially. But I, I really like that, like, look, we're a team. I put up the foundation, now build the house. Mm-hmm. And she does a fantastic job building the yeah, house. Yeah, there's a beautiful... Uh, the two... She doesn't have a lot of interaction with her dad throughout the film. Her dad's, like, the mayor of the town. Uh, but the two most important scenes are, like, Taki is in her body, goes to the mayor. He's, like... You're not Mitsuha. Mm-hmm. This is the crazy dream shit because Taki's like grabbed him by the tie and then steps. Being really aggressive. Yeah, being really aggressive and assertive. And, assertive. Um, and then the next time he sees Mitsuha, it's Mitsuha in her body and he's like, oh god, you again. But then Mitsuha walks over and she's got mm. this look. Yeah, and she. Fierce determination. And that's actually the last bit that we see of that section, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's the last we, we get, see of it. That's where we get left in the dark. But mm. there she is. You could say that they're both really assertive, but, like, we can tell the difference between them. And mm. now she's like, no, you will listen to me. And ultimately he does. That's how they stay alive. He's the mayor. He gets people to evacuate. I mean, I don't want to go over the uh, the nitty-gritty of that section. It's a bit it's a bit silly how it all goes down. But... I do. I love the bit where she runs up to Teshi and is like, uh, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but she's like, yeah, d- time to execute the plan. And he's like, you made up the plan. And she's like, yeah, it's my plan. <laughs> and 
<laughs> just all of the all of the little eccentricities of <laughs> of course it's body swapping of course you're gonna have like very weird yeah interactions. you get you get good jokes um uh... body swapping and that sort of thing um, yeah, instead of phrasing this as a question I'll just uh, make the statement mm -hmm. and, and, and see what you think I, I think the voice actors have done an absolutely incredible job um, specifically because we have we have to have two voice actors that are playing the same role in two completely different ways so we need a t what we need from uh, voice actor Fataki this is what we need from you we need you to be a typical shonen protagonist cool also we need you to be a highly feminine timid girl at the same time and he pulls it and from my opinion completely pulls it off i i think they they incredibly demonstrate the difference between the two people even though it's the same voice actor or i assume it's the same voice actor yeah. and then vice versa for mitsuha Actually, yeah, the fact that I didn't even think of that goes to show just how mm -hmm. good a job they did. It's like why I really like Face Off. I'd like to take his his face off. The film? Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Nicolas Cage and um, Elton John. No, John Travolta. John Travolta. Hey, it's, got, like, it's got John in there. They're, like, they're both okay, but like the job that they do pretending to be mm -hmm. each other... Um, is insane like it's incredible it's actually incredible yeah um and that's exactly the same with this voice acting like you can't mm -hmm. you you really get immersed you can't not, tell that they're not that they're the same person not for one second when john travolta is being a villainous piece of shit are you thinking that's the character john travolta you're thinking it's nick cage because of the incredible uh work that i would actually love to do an episode on Oh, off. yes. It's in, trust me, it's in my little list of things somewhere. Peach, I could mm. eat a peach for hours. Peach, I could eat a peach for hours. Or that, like, meme of, um, uh, Emma, Emma Watson playing whoever plays Bellatrix, pretending to be Emma Watson, pretending to be Bellatrix. If you've been on Tumblr, you've seen that meme and you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, like you were saying, the best editing is not noticed and mm -hmm. the best performances are, um, for things like that aren't noticed uh, as well. I, I agree. I think they do an incredible job uh, of really depicting two completely different characters that um, stereotypically um, don't match with the type of character they may be used to portraying or even have experience like being or feeling themselves. Uh, I, I think this is expressed... I, I mean, I mentioned Timid Taki a lot, but like you can see Mitsuha when Taki is in her body... Um, really getting along with uh, what's what's the dude's name? Tessie. Tessie. Um, like they're just bros at that point. Mm. But like, yeah, again, much to really... his annoyance because <laughs> he's got a huge crush. <laughs> but that comes across really well in the voice acting. Mm. But, um, so I just wanted to mention that about the film. There's a pretty big kind of like this is where the money went part of the movie, and I want to see how you feel about it. The I like to describe it as the watercolor section. The watercolor section. So when he when Taki drinks the sake, oh and, yes, and he, and he has the... he trips out. Mm. <laughs> um, so I also, mean, oh. <laughs> I don't know if that was uh, animated in the same way that uh, with the same technology. It looks like it's actually drawn. It looks like it's traditional animation. I could be wrong, but it doesn't matter if it was or it wasn't because that's the impression that comes across, and it looks incredible. I'm, uh, I'm saying what I feel now. It looks incredible. I'm just wondering, mm. like, because that section goes for for a while. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm remembering. Um, I mean, you can tell that the people who worked on this project were really passionate about it and really, like, put in the effort because it seems like that. Just the general, like, backgrounds as well and the colours and everything just comes together beautifully. 
it's insane. And it, it I guess it kind of reflects what Taki talks about when he's like, I want to build landscapes that make people... I like, want to capture the essence of what it is to like have a place to live. Yeah. Sort of yeah. It's, if, it's as if Taki made the film and yeah. like drew all the art. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Mm. That's actually a really interesting way of putting it. Um, because Taki's also like he's a he's a he's a great artist, which is what the, the movie shows us. But I mean, you're right. Had um, he not go through these trials, and this is not taking anything away from the lives of the people there, but they kind of live through him, right? Like like he brings them to life because at um, certain points of the story, they're all dead. Mm. Um, actually, I guess for the majority of the film, they are. Actually, yeah, dead. really. But he's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like that idea that some some media uses where it's like, as long as one person believes this is the only reason why it actually exists. Um, there, there are narratives where it's like, uh, say, I'll say like um, Greek gods, for example, uh, if, I, if I'm not wrong, traditionally, like they get their power from the worship. If it was not for that, they would maybe even cease to exist at, one po- uh, at some point. Um, the worship is actually really important. Mm. Um, in in some way, I might be getting too you know reaching a bit too far with this, but he is kind of bringing them to life. Um, a forgotten town in the middle of nowhere that no one really cares about. A uh, small village, you know. I mean, mm. half the most of the most of it got wiped out. Only like five hundred people died. Um, but he's like carrying their legacy essentially. There's a bit that reflects that really well, actually, because he brings a drawing. He, he draws Itamori, and that's how he finds out what the name of the town is. And it's only when he shows, or like the he's at the diner and the waitress sees the picture, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, hey, that's Itamori." Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the chef takes him. That's how he gets to the lip of the crater mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah. Um, to to drink the sake and whatnot. It's because he's shown this picture of this beautiful town and bore back the memories. Yeah. From this chef. That's that's a distant point in time because that that guy was born there and who knows how long he lived there but it's a distant point in time it's not the person he is right now but it did shape the person who he is and instantly it's brought back to life in his mind and others Mm. pretty cool stuff let's talk about i I don't have much more to say here but i want to talk about two probably like let's let's say the most impactful scenes in the film and for for that i want to hear yours but for for me uh, I'll say, I actually think you're just going to straight up agree with me. Um, it's the conversation that they have on the lip of the volcano or the crater, um, where they don't see each other. Then they do see each other. They flip back into their bodies. They actually, for the first time in what must be months, cause they talk about, uh, switching several times a week. So this must've been going on for several months and they can barely grasp hold on to the to the memory and the idea of the other person that they've built such a bond with they finally get to actually talk mm. um how do you feel about that scene oh god oh oh my god so many heartstrings being tugged it's fucking intense man mm-hmm. it's one thing the film does very well is stringing you along yeah. to the last minute and making a real big impact. And Jesus Christ, that's just... It's so beautiful. And they're, they're having, like, a pretty normal conversation, but they're crying, and then they're like, I'm going to write my name on your hand so mm-hmm. you won't forget. But you still have a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> There's uh, so many emotions. I, I think it's... It's kind of a wonder of pacing. I'm actually really impressed the more I think about it because usually you don't, if you have some sort of conflict or climax, you don't want the viewer to forget about it, Mm. generally speaking. It needs to be a pressing thing that needs to be addressed. That's why we like conflict in stories. You need, you know, oh, I like your story, but where's the conflict? We we need conflict, we need drama for, uh, generally speaking, for stories to be interesting to us. This movie successfully makes you forget completely about... Va- I don't know about you. makes you completely forget about evacuating the town in that moment on mm-hmm. that on the lip of that crater. My mind was nowhere near that. And it's intentional. And I think it benefits the story com- completely. And that's why I think, like, this kind of goes against the archetype of storytelling t- that we do. 
again generally speaking but i think it's like a huge success like this is really good so. it really is a masterclass in storytelling i think the the peaks and the lows are intense and perfectly placed and ah this film gave me so many emotions and so much trauma <laughs> So you mentioned uh, them writing their names onto each other's hands. So why don't you just go ahead and tell me the second best part of the film? Fucking dumb idiot. <laughs> Baka! Baka, No, ugh. So first of all, Taki gets to write his full name on Mitsuha, but Mitsuha gets, like, one line away, and then the scene goes, snap, and she's gone, and the pen drops that to the shot's, ground. That shot's incredible, that by the shot way. That shot is because you're, incredible. Again, you're, you're pulled out from the story the greatest story that's going on you're completely pulled out you're in that moment you're getting some like resolution and them come together the thing that you've wanted as a viewer this entire time and then literally like at a snap of a finger it just cuts Mm -hmm. and you're out of it now and oh it's ruined it's one of those very few like audible (gasps) moments that you get in films so rarely so she's writing on his hands it stopped the the supernatural thing that's going on Mm -hmm. Ends. I think it has to do with it's the to do sun. with the twilight. There's yeah. like a golden hour. Yeah, yeah, it's something a twilight. like that. Um, or do they call it the witching hour at some point as well? There's a whole section at the beginning of the film that's like, oh, look at this foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the pen drops, and he only has one line of kanji on his hand, mm-hmm. and, and he immediately forgets her name. And he he knows he's here for a purpose. He knows this matters, but he he's miss he's starting to lose the details. It's kind of funny for me because I just. I said this to you while we were on the couch. I just imagine, like, you know that feeling you get when you walk into the next room and you immediately forget what you were doing? He's done that, but he's, like, 800 miles away from home. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like, this guy lives in Tokyo. He's on a lip of a crater in, like, countryside Japan. Like, what what has happened here? I just wanted to get some milk. Like, (laughs) and he, he ends up, like passing out and falling asleep there too like jesus the the culture shock but lucky so lucky for mitsuha though that taki did get to write his full name on her hands Uh uh-huh so she's running off and her plan is starting to fall apart a little they've caught her friend uh who was doing the radio broadcast with s i think sayaka okay i think she calls her saya yeah it's fine let's call it whatever uh she's been captured uh, the mayor's put out a new bulletin that says stay put. Yeah, we're at the lowest um, point. Lowest so point, and she trips over and rolls down the ground, and she should have done this earlier. She opens her palm, and instead of her well, name... Well, she's, she's been saying as well, I've forgotten. Yeah, who is he? Who, who is, is he? he? Who is he? And the name says, I love you, and it hits you in your heart, and I was just like... But you could have just written your name. I, I, I uh, the, the first time I watched this, I just, I just started crying. I, like, me too. I was bawling my eyes out. Because, oh, like, I did not expect that. I, just, I honestly expected his name. And the fact that it was something much closer and personal and intimate was pretty special. I know. And, like, this whole, he hasn't exactly been stoic this whole film. Mm. But, like, you get the impression he's not too keen on, like... The lovey-dovey dating shit. Um, or he is that. more of like a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And then... <laughs> I'm tearing up a little now. And you see it on this on her hand. And then she's just like, but I don't remember you. But like, you know, that hits her. Like, that completely reinvigorates her. Like... Mm. And that's how we get the Mitsuha that's in front of her father. Mm-hmm. You know, being... Be- because... She has to, like, this is now more important to her than anything. Uh, uh, so, yeah, what a, what a fantastic mm. scene. It's like, this is how I have to, this is how I get to the future that I am supposed to be in. This, yeah. like, I have to do this to save everybody and mm-hmm. to For find a person that I don't know, For person... I can't remember, <laughs> yeah. but I know they are the most important thing in my entire life, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucking, yeah. And pretty so, much immediately after that, um, like you said, we cut. Like, we, we go to the mayor's house, it cuts to Taki on a train. And we get, like, a later. good, like, 20 minutes before the end of the film. Like, mm. there's quite a bit before they actually, like, res- like okay, well, what happens? This film is fucking... I'm gonna throw you a crumb of, of tension. Oh, I- they see each other. I think they go past each other five times. Yeah. It's either four or five times. It's quite a bit. It's quite a bit. 
And um, I, by the end, I was like frothing at the bit. I'm like, if this film doesn't resolve with these two getting together, I'm going to flip the TV. <laughs> like, I, I know we can't go an episode without talking about Steins Gate, but um, like, they do the same thing in Steins Gate, but I think it works better because it's kind of just like once and it happens and it's impactful. I think this actually detracts. <clears throat> no. <laughs> you don't think? Like I said, if they didn't like get together and find each other, I would have flipped it. Because well, no, they, they just build it up way too much. If they... The sta- the ending scene where they're on the staircase and they walk past each other and then Taki builds the courage to s- turn around and say, hey, have we met before? Mm. Um, if they had just crossed on that staircase and it lingered and then maybe they both turned and then it cut to credits as they were turning, I think, I think it would have been a bit... And then we, we cut out... Um, if we if we cut out them going past each other the other four times, maybe once we, we have previous and we're just like, oh, is that her? I don't know, maybe it's another girl with a red thing in her hair. And then we go to the staircase and they both turn and then we go to credits with like a lovey-dovey song. In the way that Steins Gate no. does it, I would... And no. That works... Personally, that works on me a no. whole lot. I would have hated it. <laughs> um, and also... Like, I know we made fun of it, but the the ending on the, you know, what's your name, mm-hmm. um, title screen shows up, end credits. Like, that yeah, is a yeah. very, it's a very nice ribbon on a very lovely package. Yeah, uh, it nicely wraps up everything. But to be clear, I don't think it ended poorly at mm. all. I, I, I do like the ending. I think it's good. I'm just like, man, I, I have a weakness for the way Steins, like, other things have done this as well. It's not like just Steins Gate, it's mm. just something we both know um i have a weakness for what steingate steinsgate does there and i it would be a huge weakness for me here as well if it happened i will say um re-watching it the the beginning of the film made no sense when i first watched it but by the time i got to the end of the film i'd forgotten about it mm-hmm. and then on rewatch, i was like oh okay now this first like 10 15 minutes makes so much more sense yeah okay um because they instantly switch the style. They instantly switch, but they don't clarify, or they don't they don't indicate that like the narration in the first part is like the adult Taki and Mitsuha, oh. and then it switches to the the teen Mitsuha and Taki. Okay. Uh, but they like they talk about the I've been searching for somebody this mm-hmm. whole time, and then they don't indicate that they're like flashing back. It just like it was a bit of a jarring. Kind of, once mm-hmm. you f- know the whole plot, it, it, yeah, it was a bit weird. It sells but... in and ties in together afterwards. Yeah, but on rewatch, like, makes so much more sense. And it, it yeah, again, wraps it up kind of nicely. Did you, did you have anything else to add before I ask my final question here? Remember that thing that you were saying in the Metal Gear Solid episode about, uh, asking repeating questions? What? <laughs> you know, they, they'd be like, uh, so-and-so, you've got to do X, Y, Z. And then the character responds, X, Y, Z? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do that all the time. Well, it's it's like a, <laughs> it's an anime trope. It's really what it is. I never yeah. noticed it, but I as soon it as I watched this film, it's, it's all a, in it. State, state the object of concern in the se- in the sentence back at the person with, with a question mark. Mm. That's what that is. So um, Every, like, five minutes of this film, that happens. It's like, I got a new pet cat. Pet cat? Metal Gear. I get it. He's a teenage boy, but I really fucking hate the trope in any body swap things mm. of like, you wake up and you instantly fondle your boobs because you're a girl. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, that's so exciting. And like, Taki does it every time he body swaps. And I. It got old so fast. They, they probably overdid it, say, maybe one or two times. Um, but I refuse to believe that anyone that body swaps would not touch the parts of the body that they, they wouldn't normally have. One time, sure. And she does. Like, when she swaps into his body, she grabs his, grabs her, her, his, his crotch. Um, I, I refuse to believe that anybody would not do that. It's like, they don't make a joke about it for her that they do for him. So it's a double standard. And also they overdo it with him. I will say though, the one scene where like, he he thinks that she's dead, and they body swap again for the first time <laughs> since that. And like he's like, she's alive. And then the sister walks in and is like, sis, are you doing the thing again? And then Mitsuha's just, 
Well, Taki in Mitsuha's body is just like fondling the boobs and sobbing uncontrollably. I think that one works really well. That works so well. I die. Because also, like, <laughs> he thought he'd lost her forever, and I, I don't I don't think it's a sexual thing at all. Um, like, part of, like, the bond that... it, it the, the joke bond that... The, the bond is real, but the mm. joke is that he wakes up and, and fondles her breasts. Mm. But this is also, like, a part of, like, the quote-unquote relationship that they're building with each other. So, like, um, he thinks he's lost her... He finds out that he has her again. Oh, you know they're together, quote unquote, again. Um, not only do I think it work on a works on a joke level, but I, I think that works as a bond. It works level. very fantastically. I don't think it does yeah. with the bond level. Obviously, not with the others because they're just there for joke. But they actually make a joke into like mm. this like familiarity like bond relationship thing i think yeah yeah I, that actually really works it's kind of like the first time and then that time i agree with it mm-hmm. being in there any other time is just this superfluous i, think I know have... in, in the film it doesn't feel like sexualization but it kind of is and it just it's oh it definitely is but i don't think uncomfortable making i don't think they i don't i don't think the intent or the way it comes across is sexual at all um but I I think you're onto something because I think they showed it about five times. If they had done first, then the one we were just talking about that was executed well, and one in between, I think would be fine mm. because we the rule of threes we've established the pattern and here's our payoff. Mm. Um, I think that would be the way to go if you were going for what they did. I don't think we needed it the extra two times or so that we got it. And it's like ultimately, like yes, I know it wasn't the intent of the filmmakers, and I know that I don't intend it as a, like a sexual thing, yeah. but it, it's like the history of sexism and feminism that I'm always bringing to, <laughs> to mm. stuff like this. Um, yeah, so it's just it's just a weird, weird thing that they could have done better. Me. Yeah. That's probably happens, but I can't think of it. So yeah. in the very start of the film, uh, they get some Rainbow Boss coffee from a vending machine. I've had that. It tastes really good. Yeah. I just wanted to put it out there. Cause Boss coffee should... vending machines are <laughs> fucking everywhere in Japan. So. Also, I think that whole scene is really cute because Teshi's like, I'm going to take you girls to a cafe. And the girls are like, oh my god, there's a cafe in our little town. And then it's just the vending machine by the bus but station. But not only that, during anime opening 2.0... Taki and Mitsuha's body builds a cafe there. Like, he gets logs, he chops them up, and he oh, builds, yeah. like, a little table and an umbrella. I forgot about that. That's fucking it's crazy. so adorable. I'm not sure I could build tables and chairs and all this sort of thing. And he just does it just because he knows they want a cafe. That's, That's so cute. If you like The Lake House, you'll like this film because it's The Lake House, but better. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen The Lake House with Sandra Bullock and... Oh, so it's like two... Uh, it's two um, people staying in a house, in a lake house, um, and they communicate via the mailbox, except one of them is like... I think it's a year gap or something. Okay. Um, and there's a point where, like, I think it's Sandra Bullock knows that the guy is going to get hit by a car, so she sends him a letter saying, don't uh, cross yeah, the street yeah. at this hour because um, otherwise you're going to die, and then at the end of the film they all meet, and it's cute. So, like, the lake house is the western, sure. your name. And I'm sure, <laughs> again, this story's probably been told a bunch of times. Um, but it's I'm never just, been told just this good. I just, uh, none's come to the top of my mind at the moment if I have seen or read anything along those lines. And we have we have touched on it before, but the, the sound design overall... Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All of the music, perfect. Um, 
when we were watching it, the the scene where the meteor hits the town and it's just like dead silent, yeah. and then they like play the aftershock. It's super impactful. It's it's just every bit of how they've designed this film is beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, Julia. So you wake up in another person's body, right? And you think it's a dream, and you state that it's a dream. And, you know, you go to some sort of obligation that you need to, let's say school, like what happens in this film, and one of your quote-unquote friends at school says, oh, you're late for work. Do you go to that job? Oh, boy. Depends what the job is. Because it may... (coughs) I cannot fathom being Mitsuha, waking up in a boy's body, going to school, look, I can, like, we've got to follow the status quo Mm. to some extent, but you go to his job? And it's like a high-end restaurant. Mm-hmm. I've worked in that. It's not easy. And and th- this is the first time she swapped. That's why I set it up the way I did. She thinks it's a dream. She doesn't mm. think any of this is real. You don't go to the job. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go work go for a while. I the job, actually. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, like, I'm a people pleaser in real life. It makes sense that I would absolutely people please in my dream. Um... Especially if it's, like, a vivid... Depending on how vivid the dream feels to me, I would absolutely go to the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do a horrible job yeah. if it was going to hospo, but I would do it. <laughs> okay, Julia. So, in the end, how many sips of saliva-filled oh. sake do you give this film? Oh, did you have to make it sips of the sake? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I do, I love it very much. The The flaws that I do find in it annoy me. I'm going to give it an A. I'm going to give it a 9. Saliva filled. 9 saliva filled. 9 saliva filled sake sips out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, I can't quite get over the flaws like I would have for um, The Last Universe, which was our first 10 out of 10. Um, but compositionally, it's great. The story's great. The characters are great. The voice actors are great. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be really unfair if I gave it an eight, actually. Um, well, the, the thing is when I come to like rating things, it's never going to be consistent. Let's say I like a thing more and think it's better than the last universe mm-hmm. and I give it an eight. It's just on that day. It's because I'm on that day. I'm giving it an eight, um, because this is how I feel about it and, and, and this and that, um, I feel like people who like are just like wait, but you gave that this thing an <laughs> X, and you gave this thing a Y. I mean, you can give it whatever number yeah. that you feel is justified. I feel I feel a nine is justified, especially because like on rewatch, like this is the kind of movie I put in my little basket of things I want to show people or things like I want to show um, my family in the future or like it's stuff very like uh, barrier to entry is basically zero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody's never watched anime before, I mean, there's some barrier to entry. But if you're familiar with anime at all, mm. like, this is just a rom. It's kind of like a, more of a rom than a com, but it is a rom-com, but um, it's just a laid-back rom-com. And even with the stuff that is a bit confusing, it is very easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dub is pretty good, too. Like, we watch dub, not subbed. Um, uh, I watch subbed. Oh, you watch subbed. Um, but yeah, like, it's really nice. It's good. It's well done. I'll probably give it... Being a romance film, it matters that you feel the romance. And I think especially pointing at those two scenes that we talked about earlier, but also throughout the rest of the film, and especially the ending, the romance comes across as genuine and true. So I'm going to mark it um, pretty highly for that alone. Um, I don't put a lot of weight on inconsistencies or this or that, again, because I take this as, like, more of a laid-back type of film. It's like, imagine trying to pull apart the nitty-gritty of, like, maybe inconsistencies in a Fast and Furious movie. It's just, like, you're coming at it from the wrong point of view. So, um, I think I'm going to give this a nine and a half, uh, saliva-filled, uh, sake sips. Um, because it, its job is to be a gooey, smooshy romance film with an interesting concept. And if that's what its goal is, it succeeded. It does a gooey smoosh of you into the mud. <laughs> like, you're just slapped with the gooey smoosh. Yeah. 
I, I think it I think it succeeds at that brilliantly. Um, I can't give any reasons off the top of my head why I'm not giving it a 10. I'm just not feeling a 10. Mm. Uh, but it may as well be, so. Cool. It's so cool! Alright, it's nomination time. Uh, I also picked a pretty easy laid-back thing, because uh, for those of you who don't know, and by the time this comes out, it's going to be a bit irrelevant, uh, but we've had massive power outages. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we have lockdown. Uh, Things are like fucked up at the moment. We're yeah. both like. Well, I Whoa. watched. I watched this movie as Julia got here for the podcast. I was still halfway through the film because mm. we haven't had power for four days. So uh, I really just want a chill time, and this is not only a chill time, but I think you're gonna have a lot to say about it because it's a very cool, very cool thing. So anyway, my nomination for the next episode is. Town by Aeneas Michelle. I hope I pronounced that right. So this is a concept album, uh, and it's based on the myth, the Greek myth, of Eurydice and, I was about to say Oedipus, not Oedipus, um, Eurydice and Orpheus. Um, and I guess, short as possible synopsis. Oh, I'll, don't, uh, don't spoil me, Julia. Oh, okay, yeah. Well... Uh, to be honest, I recommend reading up the myth before you listen to the album because it'll make things make more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like, this is a really cool concept album. I got onto it from a bunch of theatre kids. It's now... It started as a musical, turned into a concept album, then became a musical again. Uh, it's very close to my heart, and it's super well done. And we're doing our first... Album, I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah, first you, album. You haven't told me this, so I'm, I'm as shocked as the, the listeners are here. You'll you'll see why I picked it, mm-hmm. I reckon. Okay. Um, it's about, I think, two hours, maybe? Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I hope you have a good time with Town. I know I constantly do. Next time on Jelly Jam Spam, Joel goes down to Town. Way down. I love the video game Hades. <laughs> See you next time. See ya.
だかつてないスピードで君のもとへダイブをまどろみの中で生ぬるいコーラにここでライドかを夢見たよ教室の窓の外に電車に揺られ運ばれる朝に Why I really like Face Off. 